0: So last week we started a, a just a really brief a short two series our two sermon series on the Trinity. Last week was Trinity Sunday. We talked about when the rest of the church around the world is celebrating the reality that God is three. God is one, sorry. God is three: Father, Spirit, and Son, and God is one. One God united together. And we talked some about our, how important it is to relate to each member of the Trinity, to relate to God the Father, because He reminds us that God is holy and sovereign. That God is ultimately or fundamentally different than us. We also remember that Jesus, we celebrate and we cultivate our relationship with Jesus to remind us that God is gracious and God is approachable. That we can come to Jesus no matter what we've done in our life, no matter what has happened to him or happened to us, we can still come to him. And we talk some about relating to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit keeps reminding us that God does surprising things, things that we don't expect, and yet God is at work. Well, it's interesting because last week as I was studying and, and reflecting and praying about uh, over the scripture of, in John in John's gospel, I realized that one thing that was interesting was that um, this idea that God is sent. It's interesting because we'll look at it here in a second, but in that short passage, Jesus says, I'm returning to the Father who sent me. And then he says, it's a good thing that I'm going because if I didn't go, then I wouldn't send you the Holy Spirit, there's this sentness of God. God is sent and God is sending. God is sending his Son, God is sending the Spirit, and ultimately God is sending us, the church. And it was interesting because I was looking at this and I started thinking, like, there's twice in this, in this short paragraph where the word sent is used. And, and then I started looking at the word sent in John's Gospel. And there's actually two words, two Greek words that John uses for sent. They mean roughly the same thing. One is apostolo, which means to send, but also from which we get the word apostle. Apostle comes from that word. And most times we think of apostle as kind of like high official in the church. Well, that's what it's eventually come to mean. But originally it meant sent one, one that you sent with a message, an apostle. And then also, too, there's this word pempo, which also means sent. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you don't have to worry about the Greek words, but how often they're used in John. For example, Jesus talks, refers to himself as being sent by the Father. 16 times he uses the word apostolo, and 23 times he uses the word pempo. That's almost 40 times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I have been sent. There's a sentness to Jesus. And there's six times using both of those words when Jesus says, I am sending you, the church, or his disciples. And just to put it in perspective, the the word sent is used sixty times, almost sixty times in John's Gospel. Think about it, I was thinking about it, well, what's another big idea in Christianity? Another big idea is grace, right? Grace is huge, it's a major part of what, of who we are as Christians and throughout scripture. Guess how many times grace is used in John's Gospel? Three. Three times. And that's not to say that John doesn't care about grace. He does. I mean, grace is throughout the story. But it's interesting to me that there's this theme of sent and sending in John's gospel. That the Father has sent the Son, the Father and Son have sent the Spirit, and, the, and all three And the Father, Spirit, and Son have sent the church. That we have been sent. Sent to proclaim this good news, this amazing news that God's kingdom has come and is coming, that Jesus is Lord and he is Savior, we have been sent to proclaim this good news. And so, I'm wondering, I was wondering if this week, if you have, as in sort of your prayer and time, and reflecting on the Trinity, the Father and the Spirit of the Son, if you've considered the idea of just how sent God is. If you consider just how much being sent is a part of our faith. That we serve a God on mission. And it spoke to me this last week that, that missionaries, and I know oftentimes in the church over the last couple hundred years, missionaries have been reserved for those special few who felt called to go to some far-off exotic place. I think we got it wrong. That God, in, in the very plain sense, God has made all of us missionaries. I would say all of you, all of us, are missionaries. Some of us have been called and sent or are called and sent to go off to far-off places, but I would say most of us, me included, I feel this especially, have been sent and called to this community here. That we are missionaries here. Because if we serve a God, a Father who is sending a Son, and a Father and Son who are sending a Spirit, if we serve a God who is essentially sent, and I have to believe that we as people, as His people, have been essentially sent. As well, because we serve ascending God, we are a sent people. so if you would open up your Bibles to John chapter sixteen verses five through fifteen it's also in your bulletin it's this white sheet that has just the the scriptures on it as well so Jesus, this is, this is from the last night before Jesus, or the night that Jesus is betrayed. And so this is him speaking, this is a huge section of John's gospel, him speaking to his disciples, his, sort of his, it's called the upper room uh, discourse, but also more like upper word, upper room sermon that he preaches to his people, to his disciples. And he says this, he says, Now I'm going to him who sent me, Jesus saying, I'm going to the Father who sent him. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And then I also wanted to, uh, there's this other place in John's Gospel where there's this connection with sentness. If you want to turn to John 20, verse 21, or if it's just the next verse here on your white sheet. So this is after Jesus is risen, and he's appeared to his disciples, and he's meeting with them. And Jesus again says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so as I've been reflecting on these passages over these last two weeks, been realizing that God is a God on mission. That God wasn't satisfied to just wait up in heaven somewhere and hope that we figure it out. He actually came for us. God came on mission for us to save us, to redeem us, to reveal his kingdom to us. And because God is essentially sent, this week I believe even more that we are essentially a sent people. I mean, first of all, he begins, Jesus says, he begins with the Father sending the Son. Because in this passage here, right at verse 5, it says, no, I'm going to him who sent me. Jesus is returning to the Father. And actually, I said 39 times with two different words, Jesus says, I have been sent. And I was thinking about it this last week. Why was Jesus making such a big point of that? Why was that so important to him? I think, one, because it's true. He wanted to let people know the truth that he had been sent by the Father. But also, too, he wanted to justify. Because there were people, especially really religious people at the time, who didn't trust Jesus, who were skeptical of him. He's trying to say, no, this is not some new teaching that I have. This is me sent by my Father. Not only that, but he wanted the people who were following him, who were trusting him, to know where his teaching was coming from. That it was right and that it was true because it came from his Father. And he wanted people to know that if they were following him, Essentially, they were following the Father, the one who had sent him. So Jesus has been sent by the Father. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus says, when I go away, I'll send to you the Spirit. And in John's Gospel and other places, it says the Father sends the Spirit. And so both the Father and the Son have sent the Spirit. And I was thinking about this week. Can you imagine what it would be like trying to follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit? Think about that. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Christ to us. I mean, think about people, two people who can hear the same exact story read about the gospel. And one says, yeah, I don't think so. And another person says, those sound like the words of life to me. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals us. When we can explain the gospel and why it's credible, but ultimately faith is by the Holy Spirit. But imagine how it would be to try and follow Jesus without the spiritual gifts. Imagine how it would be without patience and love, without gifts of prophecy or healing, gifts of teaching and preaching. It would be difficult, <laughs> to say the least. Imagine if we didn't have the Holy Spirit in us saying, yes, do that, or no, be careful, that will hurt you. I'm grateful that the Lord has sent the Spirit. We need the Spirit in us. I mean, think about this: The Spirit of God dwells in us because of Jesus, because He sent His spirit. So we have Father sending the Son, and we have Father and Son sending the Spirit. but there's one more link in the chain. We just read it at verse 20, or sorry, chapter 20, verse 21. When Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, and he speaks to his disciples. And I've always heard the Gospels. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and it speaks to them, he says, you, I always hear it as him speaking right to them, but also over them to us. Then when Jesus is saying you, I hear it also for us as his disciples. That those 11 who were in that room, they were sent absolutely. But I also believe that we who read that text, We are meant to hear it as we are sent also. And it's interesting because I was thinking about how this works. And I don't know if you've seen, have you seen this thing? It's called Newton's Cradle. It's five steel balls with strings hanging down and they all touch. And then you pull one ball out and you let it go and it slams into the, the other four and the three stay but the other one goes out the other side. Have you seen that? Do you know what I'm talking about? And I think about Jesus as this, this gigantic Newton's cradle and that he's the ball that has been sent in, the steel that has been sent in. And rather than just sending off one, it's as if thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions have spread out in mission. Because Jesus was sent, we have been sent. Because God is essentially on mission, we are essentially on mission. We have been sent. And I think about this that, you know, it used to be, I think, that missionaries were those who were really faithful and sort of extra special. And I think there are some people who are gifted as evangelists, some people who are gifted in mission. Bless you if you feel that call. But I believe all of us have been sent, all of us are missionaries. Maybe it's just to the group of 10 people who are our friends. Maybe it's just to our community. We are all sent, because we serve a God who sends and who is sent. You with me? Okay, now here's the part where I think most of us would agree to that. We're sent. OK, But here's the thing where I'm interested is, how do we work that out, right? What does that look like in our lives? And like I said, I, I believe that we are all sent. I believe that God has sent us. And true, he has sent some of you at certain times to places like South America or Africa. He sent some of you here to Canada. God has sent us. But I believe that because we are here, because we live here, I believe that God has sent most of us to this valley here. How many of you were born here? Not very many. <laughs> A few of you. Yeah. I believe the rest of us have been called or another way sent here. I feel that. Actually, just this last week, I was at, um, I was riding with uh, John Wendrick, one of the guys from the Town and Country Commission, when they visited. He said, "Yeah, so you've been here about, what, six, seven years now? I said, yeah. He goes, so are you starting to feel kind of that call to go somewhere else? And I said, No. I feel called to this valley. I feel called to this church, to this church family. But I also feel called to this valley, to our friends in our in our community. I love this community, even though there's still people yet that I don't even know, and there's sometimes people drive me crazy. But I still love this valley. I love the people of our community. I feel called. I feel sent to this community. And it's interesting for, for me. I've always been wired that way. I think uh, I, like my wife and I were different. Tracy, she, she's lived in almost every state because her family was in the military, so she moved a lot. I lived in the same house until I was in my 20s. I'm a roots sort of guy. <laughs> One place, commitment and loyalty. And so I feel called here. And it's interesting because I think of Jill. Um, you remember a couple weeks ago when he came up here and he talked about his trip to Rwanda? You know, he went there on a mission trip. I mean, he went there for a school and he was very subtle about his Christian uh, motives for going. And he said when he got there, he was totally surprised because everybody there was a Christian. Everybody there was praying at their school breaks. Everyone there was talking and reading scripture. And then he said, then he comes back here to the Kootenays, and he realizes this is the mission field. I was reading a statistic in Africa. I mean, it's all of Africa, so it's kind of skewed. I mean, it's hard to know, like, in each community. But it said, All of Africa is like 50% Christian. You know, actually there's, in in the next few generations, actually in the next few decades, there are going to be more Christians in in China and Africa than there are going to be in Europe and in North America. The church is changing. But it's interesting because people are still going to Asia and to Africa on mission when instead of the Kootenays, it's like 5% Christian here, maybe. This is the mission field. This place is the mission field. And because we serve a God who is sent, we, as a people of God, have been sent here. Now the thing is, I realize that this place is hard. The gospel is hard to take root here. I mean, I I see people when I talk with them. It's interesting. I think it would be easier for me if I were here um, preaching Buddhism than Christianity. It's interesting, as a Christian... But when, I, when I let people know I'm a Christian, you can almost kind of feel them go like this. Right? Tracy said she's felt it when she would go and she would go to children's groups and, um, and she'd introduce her and like, oh, this is the pastor's wife. She, could actually, she actually noticed people would sort of step back and kind of check her out. <laughs> It's interesting because I find it's funny because I think people would be so excited if I said, oh, let me tell you about Buddhism or some um, Eastern religion or some early European religion. People would be so excited. Oh, tell me more about that. But because I'm talking about Jesus or Christianity, people become defensive. And part of it's the time we live. And part of it is the way the church has been co-opted by certain political groups but I believe that we are still God's strategy for proclaiming his kingdom in this valley. He doesn't have a plan B. The church is his plan in Six Mile. The church is his plan in Herob and Proctor. The church is his plan in Grandview, where I live. The church is his plan here in Balfour and in Queens Bay, in Mirror Lake and Caslow. The church is God's plan. Because we serve a God on mission, we are a people on mission. Now, I know some of you, mission is hard. For some of you, you are here this morning because you are barely hanging on. And mission seems like the last thing in the world that you'd be able to do. Well, first thing I want to say is bless you. I know I've been in places like that. This last year has been difficult for me too. Come. Be filled up by the Lord. Be filled up by God and by His Spirit. And then when the time is right, go back out. But I'd also say this, that in some of the hardest times when I felt least interested in mission, in sharing faith, and telling other people about Jesus and the kingdom of God, it's actually in those times that I've had some of the best conversations. Because when everything is going fine and everything is rosy, People may listen to you, but usually it's like, well, yeah, that works for you, but what do you know? You're not experiencing what I'm experiencing. And yet, when we are in our own struggles, when we are going through very difficult times, it's amazing how people listen. We just have this innate knowledge or this innate sense in our, in, still in humanity, where when somebody's going through a difficult thing, we are still compassionate, usually at least, and we're able to listen to them, to hear. How God is at work in their lives. So I understand if you are here and things are difficult right now, maybe you do need just a time, a break from mission to come and to recoup. But I pray that you will receive um, God's healing and that you would again feel called that you'd be sent out. But I also realize there's other roadblocks, roadblocks for us. Some of us feel too busy, right? I feel like our schedules are just slammed, just one thing right after another. We're so busy. When do we have time to, to, to meet with people or to go out on mission? And I would say two things. One I would say is, please, for God's sake, make time. For God's sake, make time. And the other thing too I would say is, kill two birds with one stone or do things at the, do things at the same time. You might think, well, I've got a job to go to. I have no time for mission. And I would encourage you to be a faithful follower of Jesus in the place where you work. Live a questionable life in the place where you work. And what I mean by that is the sort of life that people want to know, what do you have? Or why do you do it that way? When it would be so much easier and everyone else does it the wrong way or the way we're all used to, why do you still do it the right way? Live a questionable life. So time, I understand. I know it's like when we get so busy, but I would encourage you. Make time, devote time, and do two things at once. I'm not saying don't, don't have your kids in soccer. I'm just saying when your kids are in soccer, live a questionable life. Bless people. And if someone asks you about your family or your faith, share it with them. The other thing I think is a roadblock for people is people feel completely overwhelmed. Completely overwhelmed with sharing their faith, Right? you think, thinking maybe you have, have had a few experiences where you've shared your faith with people and they've ridiculed you for it. And you feel like, I ah, know, that hurts. I don't want to do that again. And I was thinking this week that one of the greatest things for us is being a fool for Jesus. For people to think we're foolish and backward for him, I think is an honorable thing. I know it doesn't feel honorable. Trust me, I know. But I think it is. I mean, we have brothers and sisters who are risking their lives, who are facing death to proclaim Jesus' name. And that is honorable. And I want to be careful that I'm not um, uh, minimizing that. But even us, we face ridicule. Our friends and our neighbors, we tell them, we follow Jesus or we'd say like, well, here's why I do this because of Jesus or here's what I think is right because of Jesus. You can feel their condescension. I would encourage us to be fools for Jesus. The last thing or one of the other reasons why I think people feel um, uneasy about sharing their faith or about being on mission is because we think of evangelists and we have in our mind, Billy Graham, Right? standing at a podium with tens of thousands of people all listening to him, and then they start filling the aisles and coming down to receive Jesus. You know, there are some people like him who are gifted, who have received a gift of evangelism. That's true. And that's a different category. (laughs) Praise God for those people. But I believe that God has called all of us to evangelism, Maybe we're not a gifted evangelist in the sense that thousands of people are coming to faith every Sunday when we preach or when we speak. But God has called us to be evangelists, to tell others about our faith. So I was thinking about it, like breaking it down to just two things. Just, you know, if you think, well, how do I tell others? How do I share this faith with other people? And there's two things. One is bless people. And the second is tell people. Bless people and tell people. And oftentimes in that order, (laughs) because people don't really care what you know until until they know how much you care. And blessing is a way to show people you care. Blessing people. Blessing people with a gift that says, I know who you are, I know what you like, and so I got this for you. I want to show you that I care about you. Bless people with a gift. Or bless people with a word of affirmation or a word of encouragement. That's really easy, and you just have to have the mindset for it. You see someone do a good thing, you say, thank you. Or I see that this is something you love to do. Bless you. It's beautiful. The third is to serve people. To just show up and serve. It's amazing how much of a blessing that is, to, to show up at someone's house and help them with their roof. Or to show up and help them with their things around the house or help them with the project they're working on. Bless people. Give them a gift. uh, Find something in them that's good and affirm it. And serve them. And the last thing is tell people about Jesus. And, you know, I find, I don't know what your experience has been, but I find people, at least in our community, aren't real uh, open when you start forcing things on them. Here's why I think you should do this because da-da-da-da-da. People kind of tune out right at the part where it says, here's why I think you should do this. Maybe if they ask for your opinion, that's different. But if we just unsolicited tell people what they should do, it doesn't usually go so well. I'm not saying we have to force it. I'm not saying we go and we bless someone and we serve them. And we say, oh, by the way, I'm doing this because of Jesus. Like, come on, that's kind of awkward, right? <laughs> How would that go? But I think there are natural places for us to speak about our faith. In fact, I know there are because in conversations I've had with people in our community, it's a natural way of saying, they ask me, you know, well, why do you do the things you do you do? I start talking with them about what Jesus has done in my life. Because that's the thing, you know, people might debate to us about who Jesus is. They might debate about us whether it's right or wrong. But the one thing they can't debate is our experience of God. They can't discredit that. So we can say, this is what God has done in my life. And people are interesting. It's people begin to listen to that. There are natural ways of sharing our faith, of working it in. And it doesn't have to force. It. If it feels forced, I don't know, be careful. You know? But there are ways of sharing about our faith. So this morning, this comes out of this studying the Trinity. It comes out of this last week, the last two weeks, of, of seeing God as Father, Spirit, and Son, and seeing how God is sending the Son, and God and the Son are sending the Spirit, and how all three have sent us. Because we serve a God on mission, we are essentially a people on mission. And I know mission in our community is hard. Talking about our faith is a risk. But I'm saying it's, it's honorable. One of the highest honors in the kingdom of God is to look like a fool for Jesus, to bless others, and to share our faith. Amen.